Lord, we just ask you to be with us tonight as we look at your word. We ask for your leading and guiding and your spirit to be with us. We ask that you show us what you'd have us to see from, from this section on vows and that you'll be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Leviticus chapter 27, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by your estimation. And your estimation shall be of the male from 20 years old, even to 60 years old. Even your estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary. And if it be a female, then your estimation shall be of 30 shekels. And if it be from 5 years old to 20 years old, your estimation of a male, 20 shekels. And for the female, 10 shekels. And if it be from a month old unto five, then your estimation shall be for, for the male five shekels of silver. And of the female, your estimation shall be three shekels of silver. And if it be from 60 years old and above, if it be a male, then your estimation shall be 15 shekels. And for the female, 10 shekels. But if he be poorer than your estimation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall value him according to his ability that vowed shall the priest value him. And we're going to go to 14 so and if it be a beast whereof men bring an offering unto the Lord all that any man gives of, of such unto the Lord shall be holy and he shall not alter it nor change it a, a good or a, or a bad or a bad for a good and if he shall at all change beast for beast then the, and the exchange thereof shall be holy and if it make it, and if it be of any unclean beast of which they do not offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, then he shall present the beast before the priest, and the priest shall value it, whether it be good or bad, as you value it, who are the priests, so shall be. And if he be at all redeemed it, if he will at all redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part thereon to your estimation. All right, so we're going to look at this. This is the, uh, the rules about a vow. And... Vows were taken very serious by God. When you made a, a vow to him, it was to be executed. And there was a vow you put on it. And this gives you the, the rules for the vow. And it says in verse 2, Speak unto the children and say to them, When a man shall make a singular vow, and this literally means an extraordinary or a difficult or a, or a wonderful vow. It's not just, you know, this, is, this isn't just, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to church. Yeah. Uh, this would be some really, you know, God, if you do this, then I'm going to offer, you know, my animal or my service or whatever. I mean, something that's more than just, you know, uh, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to give, you know, $20 to the poor or whatnot. Uh, he, he makes a, a wonderful or a big vow. That person shall come before the Lord for an estimation of the value of it. And it says that you know, if he's 20 to 60 years old, his, his value of his offering is going to be 50 shekels of silver. That is approximately $27 in our, in our money. Mm. Uh, so the price of his vow was going to be about $27. Now, but you got to remember back in that day, $27 would have been a huge sum of money. $27? It would have been approximately $27. How much is a shekel? Well, 50, one fiftieth of $27. $7? <laughs> one, one, fiftieth, uh, one fiftieth of 27 so do the, do the math. It would be 
you know, 50 cents. <laughs> 50 cents? Yeah, 50, 50 cents. Oh, shekel 50 cents, okay. Give or take. Uh, and it says if it's a female, it was only, only going to cost 30 shekels or approximately $16. If there's, you know, a child, then it was going to be uh, 20 shekels or approximately $11. If it was a female, for a male and a female, about $7. And if it's a baby to a toddler, it's going to be about two and a half dollars to a dollar sixty. So if you're offering your kids, you can get away cheap. Uh, but by the same token, you're also putting your your kids. In, you know, this is the re this is really the redemption value for those things. Uh, and what it's basically saying is, if you make a vow and you want to redeem that vow, this is what it's going to cost. Okay, uh, I put my servant servant into into service for God, and to redeem them, it's going to cost this much money to redeem them out of that service. And so we we get into this, and then it says, verse eight, and if he be poorer than the estimation, okay, he can't afford the fifty shekels or the thirty shekels or whatever it is, then he has to present himself to the priest, and the priest will look him over, and look over his finances. <laughs> And say, okay, you can't afford 50 shekels, but you can't afford 30 shekels or 20 shekels. Or, and then whatever the priest says is the value. They, there's no changing that value from one, once the priest says the value. And I'm not, I don't fully understand the reasoning for this buying of the, uh, of the vows. Uh, it, but God does take vows serious. And we look at that. When people make a vow, God expects them to keep their vow. And this is their way to buy back their vow, basically. And it says, you know, and if it be a beast, if it's a, if you say, oh, God, I'm gonna give you the, the the first cow that's delivered by my, my, you know, the first uh, calf delivered to my cow, then because that is a offering that can be made as, as a sacrifice, that first calf would belong to the God. And there was no buying it back, no, no redemption because it is a sacrifice that can be made. If it's a sacrifice, if it's an animal that is unclean, uh, uh, rabbit, bear, you know, those type of things, why well, you'd be giving a pledge for that, I have no idea, but uh, that might come in. God, the first thing I see out in the field this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give as an offering. Uh, and it turns out to be a, a, uh, a un unclean animal then it was to be brought to the brought to the priest and they would put a value on it and that value would not be something that could be changed it was going to be there and if it was an unclean animal they added uh, a one-fifth or 20 percent increase in that value so if the priest you brought in the unclean animal and the priest said okay this is worth 30 shekels then you're going to have to add 20% onto that 30, so you're going to be paying 36 uh, shekels. So, does this make sense what's happening here? Is he saying, you know, 20%? 20%, one fifth, 20%. Uh, and this one fifth increase, if you remember when we were looking back, if you hold back your tithe and you offered it, you know, later in the month than you were supposed to, you increased it by 20%. Uh, God put this 20% down in a lot of things. If you stole from somebody, you paid back what you stole plus one-fifth or 20%. Uh, 
so this is a number that God uses a lot that, you know, to, to try to get people to honor him at the time that they're honoring him. Because if, for any one of us, if God said, you know, if we were going to be charged 20% more because we didn't do something, we'd find, we'd probably bend over backwards to, to uh, get it taken care of because 20% is pretty stiff, uh, pretty stiff fine. Credit card. Credit card, if you, as long as you pay it off, you're only paying 17 or 18%. So it's. But we see here that God says it's going to cost. If you're, if you're looking to offer something that's unclean, it's going to cost you more because you, he wants you to be serious in what you're offering to him. And this is pretty much what he's asking for us when we serve him. He wants our, he wants our best. He doesn't want our leftovers. He, when we serve him, he's not with my leftover time. It's with time that is devoted to him. And I've seen people, well, if I've got time left over, you know, I'll help out. Or if it's possible, I'll do something. And God is saying, you know, make a commitment. <laughs> make some commitments with your life because we don't want to sit back and just say, well, God, whatever, you know, we'll do whatever, whatever works we'll try to do for you. And God is saying, no, get serious. We, you know, he wants servants. He doesn't want people who are just when it's convenient. And we all know people that are like that. Whenever it's convenient, they might come by and help. And that basically means that they're probably not going to come by and help. Right. You know, well, if I find time, I'll come by and help. And you kind of just write them off. You know, okay, they're not coming. And you go from there and you, and you move forward. And... Here God is saying, I expect your vow to be fulfilled. And if you're going to buy it back, here's the cost of buying it back. And uh, quite, a, quite a serious, quite a serious uh, place that he's at. Um, verse 14, And when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto the Lord, then the priest shall estimate it, whether it be good or bad, as the priest shall estimate it, so shall it stand. And if he, he that sanctified it will redeem his house, then he shall add one-fifth part, or 20%, to the money of the estimation unto it. And if the man shall sanctify unto the Lord some part of his field for his possession, then the estimation shall be according to the seed thereof. An omer of barley shall be, shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. So let's start with the house. Okay, we've been reading a lot about the year of Jubilee, that the, if you put your house into the purchase of somebody, you're going to get it back at the year of Jubilee at the end of seven years. This is going to be the same thing that we see here, but you sell your house to, you sell your house to sanctify it to the Lord and you're selling it to basically the, the church for, for a period of time. And if you go to redeem it, you're not going, you know, because you gave it to God, you can't just go back and redeem it for the price like you would a human. For the human, you just have to pay what's left of the of the value of the house for the time, but when it's to God, you're going to be charged 20%. Because it's a serious thing. You're buying back from God, and God's going to say, no, you're not just taking back something from me. You're going to, it's going to cost you something to buy it back. And we, we look at this over and over again, how much God wants to, to purchase on this. And it says, and, if, and again, if it was his field, the estimation shall be according to the seed. And you remember... When they sold a field, way back when we were talking about the year of Jubilee, when they sold their field, it was calculated based on how much the field would produce. 
okay? And that would be whatever the market would. Here God's putting a set value on it. And he's saying that a homer of barley seed will be valued at 50 shekels. Now you go, well, how big's a homer? Well, a homer is 30, approximately 32 pecks. And for those of us who aren't farmers, a peck doesn't mean a whole lot to us. So you would be able to say, well, it's eight bushels. <laughs> now, bushels, all we know about bushels are the, the, these great big round containers. So uh, for barley, a, a bushel, uh, 38 uh, bushels would be approximately 384 pounds of barley. Okay, which is a lot of barley. How much? 384 pounds approximately. These are all rounded off because it's... So that's a lot of barley, and, the, and he's saying it's going to be worth 50 shekels of silver. Okay, so we're back to that $27 <laughs> dollar amount for 800 pounds of barley. Now, I don't know if that's a valid, you know, how valid that is to us in this day and age, because I didn't check the price of barley on the, on the internet, but uh, I would say that 384 pounds of barley would probably be worth more than $27 in today's currency. Uh, but again, in that day, $27 would have been a lot of money. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that $27 was a lot of money even in our world. It's a lot of money to me. <laughs> it's a lot of money to most of us, yeah. Uh, but, you know, when we, you see $20 bills all the time, but you think back, you know, we watch some of these things, the Andy Griffith show in, in Mayberry, and, it, and on the sides, apples for five cents, you know, and it's, uh, you know, a dozen eggs for, I can't remember what it was, but 50 or 60 cents, you know, oh, it's no, less, than less than that, you know, but, you know, and we think back, it wasn't so long ago that in America, prices were very low, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that long ago, in the 1800s, it was really low, and the, depression you know, time, well, not even depression time, but we're just talking about things have really increased over the years. I remember the five cent candy bar. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the store with a penny and having a whole bag of candy coming out. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, so, but the prices of everything have really skyrocketed in the last, you know, a half a millennia, uh, half, a, half a century, excuse me. Inflation. Huh? Inflation or whatever other reasons for it. I don't know all the reasons for it, but uh, it wasn't, because you, you, you hear, when we sing a lot of these older hymns and they, and they use 10,000 as their big number, now, if you had $10,000 or you made $10,000 in a, in a year, you were ultra mega rich. Now, they didn't even think about millionaires like we do. You know, we think a million is that, that magic point. Back in their day, if you had $10,000, you were very, very wealthy. And 10,000 was a big number. You know, we sing Amazing Grace when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. Now, they, they figured 10,000 was a long period of time. And, you know, in our day, we throw big numbers around, you know, and the, uh, the science is always throwing around millions of years, which is, you know, not possible, but they throw those numbers around. Our deficit. Well, our deficit in the trillion, so we can't, even we can't even comprehend that kind of a number, even in ourselves. So it's, you know, many times over. To the, yeah, to hear to the moon more than like 10 times, I think it is. So it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we read this and it says, you know, if you were to value your field and give it, give it to the Lord, your, 
you'd value it how how much barley could it produce and and if you could produce that homer or eight bushels at a time it's worth for each homer it's worth 50 shekels and i have no idea how much a field will produce as far as barley goes probably more probably quite a few bushels of uh of grain come out of that out of a field out of a standard field so this is god saying you know that it's going to be valued according to what it produces. And it says, And if you sanctify his year from the ju year of Jubilee, according to your estimates, it shall stand. So in other words, it says you're going to use the, the Jubilee as the standard. If it's right after the Jubilee, you'll have six, six years worth. If it's somewhere in between, you would be able to say, okay, there's three years. The value goes from three years to Jubilee. And the same thing we talked about with that whole you know, buying and selling and redeeming and all of that for individuals, but God's saying he's going to follow the same rules. In the year of Jubilee, it's going to return back to them. So the longest their, their vow is going to be paid for will be, uh, if it's for their field, would be six years. In the seventh year, it would be returned to them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it says, but if he sanctify his field after the jubilee, then the priest shall reckon unto him the money according to the years that remain, even, the, even unto the year of jubilee, and it shall be abated from the estimation. And that, again, just re-saying, you know, if it's six, you know, three years left, he's going to reduce it by three years, and it'll just be the three years. And... Uh, and it says, and if he that sanctified the field in any wise redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part of the money of your estimation unto it, and it shall be assured to him. All right, so again, if he buys back his field, or his brother comes along and buys back his field, or his dad, or his uncle, or whoever it might be, it will cost them an additional 20%, because this is the Lord's increase they're taking away. Uh, and that was not true of the, the right of the kinsman redeemer. You know, the kinsman redeemer could just restore it for exactly what was paid or what was due left of, on the paid on the field. But when it's God's, 20% more. So in essence, he's saying, don't do this unless you mean to do it. Okay, because you're going to lose it for the whole time. And you're, if you're going to buy it back, you're gonna, it's going to cost you more. So this is... And this is where he's trying to tell people the, the cost of the vow is to be taken serious. It is not to be taken lightly. And this is one of the things that I share with people. I am very, very careful. I do not want to make a vow to God that I am not 100% sure that I plan to keep. Because it is a serious thing. God expects us to keep our vow to him. If we say, God, I'm going to read my Bible every day, then we better be ready to read our Bible every day, no matter what. Okay? I can say, God, I, I plan to read my Bible every day, but I, if I'm going to make a vow to him, it's going to be serious. God, I, I, I make this vow that I'm going to, whatever it might be, you want to be very serious about that because God expects obedience. And if you remember in Proverbs, it talked about those who make a vow. God expects it. Even if, even if it's to their hurt, God expects their vow to be fulfilled. And this is why it's something very serious when we vow to God. He expects it to be what is, what's going ha to happen. And that should be the way when we, make, when we tell somebody, I am going to do this, we better fulfill that promise to them. 
because it's very important because we made a commitment. We, our word, you know, it used to be said our word is our bond. You know, if somebody told you they were going to do it, then they were going to keep it outside of being dead or in a hospital, they were going to keep their word. And it's really sad in our day that people's word does not mean anything. Yeah, handshake or a word. You know, it used to be just a verbal. Then it, then it worked to a word. Then it worked to a contract. And now you can say whatever you want. It just doesn't matter. You know, the contract is what matters. It doesn't matter what you say. Uh, in the early days, you, if you had a contract, your verbal words could mean more than the contract did. And now we're totally the other way. You can say whatever you want. You can tell the person what they're signing, and they don't. If they don't have an attorney read the contract. It could, the contract could say something totally different than what your words have said to them. And the contract is what, what matters. And that is not what God wants. He does not want to see that. He wants us to be, when we speak, we're speaking the truth. And the, you know, in the Old New Testament, we said, let, our, let your words be yea and nay. You speak the truth. When you say something, you're going to do it. If you, if you don't commit, then it's then you. If you're or you can't commit, you say no. And and unfortunately, there are a lot of people who who cannot, or for some reason cannot say the word no to people. Uh, and this is sad because they'll commit to they'll overcommit themselves. They'll commit themselves to things they have no intention of doing, uh, and because they don't know how to say no, or they'll get overcommitted and get you know, buried under, under commitments because they can't say no. And very important for us not to get into that position because God expects. He expects us to honor our word. He expects us to keep promises. He expects us to do what we will say we're going to do because he does. And we, we, we really expect him to keep his word, don't we? Yes. You know, when he says, I'm going to forgive you of your sins, we're, we're, we're putting our entire life on that expectation that he's going to forgive us of our sins and not break his word. When he says that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you're going to go to heaven, we expect that he's going to keep his word. And so it's important for us. I mean, he is our leader. He is our example. When he says, I'm going to keep my word, and he does. And you look at what he went through to be able to keep his word and bring us to heaven. He sent his son to die for us and be separated from himself for a period of time when he became sin. That's quite a, quite a cost that he paid. And he did it just so that we could be redeemed and be bought back from slavery. All right. Uh, Verse 20, and if he will not redeem the field, or if he have sold it to the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it goes out in the jubilee, shall be holy unto the Lord, and the field devoted and possessions thereof shall be the priest. And if a man sanctify the, unto the Lord a field which he hath bought, but is not of the fields of his possession, then the priest shall reckon unto him the worth of his estimation, even unto the year of Jubilee, and he shall give his estimation in that day as a holy thing unto the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return unto him whom it was bought, even to him who, whom the possession of the land did belong. So here we go. Here we go. The field, if they don't redeem it, then it goes all the way to Jubilee. 
Just a real simple thing. It goes to Jubilee. But here's kind of an interesting thing. I buy Amy's house, and then I sanctify it to God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, to me, it seems like something that probably shouldn't be done, but God says if it's done, the cost of that house will be calculated, or the field will be calculated and paid for at the very beginning of the time, and it will be calculated to the year of Jubilee. So this is kind of an interesting thing. This. This, this property, if, I, if I'm giving God a piece of property that I bought from somebody else, it's only good until the year of Jubilee anyway, then my estimation of my vow is not going to be due each year like it would be otherwise. It will be, okay, we're going to have this, this property for six years or seven year, or, or five years or three years. I will pay the estimation up front right at the beginning. Okay, which would be a pretty serious, could be a very serious uh, cost if it's a big, big property or a big field. But at the year of Jubilee, that field automatically goes back to the person who sold it in the first place. Uh, and then in verse 25, and all your estimations shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary. 20 geras shall be the shekel, and a shekel of the sanctuary is approximately, when it's measuring money, approximately 0.62 ounces. So it's not a whole lot. Uh, uh, today, today's value, if you were to take a shekel of silver, it's about just short of $10 at today's price. And if it was a shekel of gold, you're at a, just shy of $712, that's because gold is so expensive in, in, our, in our time. And it was nowhere near that much in their, in their day. Because we used to have the gold held at, what was it, $35 an ounce, you know, and it was never, never fluctuated. Our paper money was backed by gold. Um, and so, and that for a long time, gold, gold did not have this great inflated value that it has today. And now it has a greatly inflated value that's uh, pretty astronomical when you think about it. <laughs> you know, piece of piece of gold that's where uh, it practically weighs nothing, you know, and it's, it's worth all the money that it, you know, all that major amount of money, and because money has no value. You know, each each of our paper dollars that we have have no value except if somebody says it has value. And that's why it is a bizarre system that we use. We use worthless, worthless things to buy stuff of, of value. Monopoly money. It's, well, it almost is. And the government is doing all kinds of things to make our money more worthless because they keep printing more money that we don't have anything of value behind it and trying to keep our dollars up. And so we see this, and this is why gold is so valuable, because the paper that's behind it is too much paper to be backed. And people aren't saying that it's worth anything. We think, you think about Germany after World War II, they had to pay back all their, their war retri uh, retribution, so all they did was print a whole bunch of marks and 
got it, got it into the Allies' hands before they realized that all they did was print it with no backing on it, and the money was worthless. But they paid their debt, because people had accepted that money in payment of the debt, only to find out that it was not worth the paper it was printed on. And uh, you've got the stories of the, the yeah. Germans carrying wheelbarrows full of money to the store and then not even being able to buy, pay for their pay for theirs. Yen, uh, yen was the same way. And the ends were the same way. And then, and the South did not have a currency after the Civil War to print up, so they suffered on this. But it happens a lot of times after wars that people, countries just print, print up the money to pay the bills, and and their people suffer. And plus the people who took the money suffer because they're getting worthless paper. But all of this is out there that God says, you know, this, this money is worth this much. You know, when you do this, it's worth this much. And that would have kept the prices down. Just like our money, our prices were kept down because a dollar was, you know, $35 worth, worth an ounce of gold, period. So the prices stayed way down and it wasn't inflatable and all this other stuff that happens. And so this is, this is God saying, here's God's way of saying it's gonna stay stable. It's gonna stay stable because this is, what it's, this is how much it's worth. And it goes from there. Verse 26, only the firstling of the beast which should be the Lord's firstling, no man shall sanctify it, whether it be an ox or a sheep, it is the Lord's. Now, do you remember when we were looking back that the first uh, of any, the first uh, animal that, to open the matrix, it belongs to God, whether it's human or animal or, or anything, and it was to be redeemed. Okay, do you remember that when we studied that a long while back ago? And if, you, if it was a clean animal and you didn't redeem it, it was to be taken and given in an offering. If it was an unclean animal and you didn't redeem it, do you remember what they had to do to it? If they didn't redeem the unclean animal, they broke its neck. They killed it. Okay, if it was an unclean animal, the first one that delivered of that, that parent, it was, had to be either redeemed or killed. If it was a clean animal, it could be redeemed at the prices that God said, or it was given up as a sacrifice. And if it was human, it automatically had to be redeemed. <laughs> there weren't, weren't any questions about it. It had to be redeemed because you couldn't sacrifice a human. And, but they had that rolling scale. If you were really poor, then it, you, know, you started out at the, the bullock, then you went to the sheep and the goat, and then you went to the birds. <laughs> and you had to redeem that firstborn uh, with whatever amount. But uh, here God says, he's repeating again, if, it's, if the firstborn must be sanctified to God and offered. And if it is an unclean animal, he, that he, then he shall redeem it according to the, your estimation and add a fifth part unto it. And if it not be redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your estimation. So again, we're back to vows. If it's a vow and it's, and it's firstborn, it's going to cost. It's, un, it's unclean. It's going to be 20% more or you're going to sell it. And that money goes to God. And so we're sitting here again with all of these vows that are out there. And God is saying, vows cost. 
vows cost. When you give your word, it costs. When you make a promise, it costs. When you make it to God, it's going to really cost you because he's going to make sure he gets his. Uh, the humans might give you some leeway. You know, you make a promise to somebody and you might be able to give them a good enough excuse that they'll accept it, but God says, no, I'm, you are going to pay. If you owe 50000 and you don't pay, they'll sacrifice you. <laughs> well, no, not the Hebrews. We wouldn't be sacrificed. You might go to debtor's prison. You might break your legs. Now, actually, in, 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 remember, if you owed people money in this time, you became their servant. Oh, that much money? Well, yeah. if they all gave you that much money, they, they were pretty crazy in the first place. But you'd be their servant for a long, you know, uh, servant. Yeah, uh, many years to work that off But uh, well, they had till the year of Jubilee, so it's... <laughs> So that's every 50 years, every 50 years for the Jubilee. So it's right. seven years for Sabbath years and then 50 years for Jubilee. So sometimes you're getting this stuff for a long time. I mean, it, if you went the first year after Jubilee, you can get something for 49 years for service. So yeah, you know, say you're 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> and if it's anywhere less, then, but that would also significantly lower, the closer you got to Jubilee, the lower the amount of money that you would be loaned because you're getting closer to Jubilee. I see. Uh, and so, very important on that. Let's see, verse 28. Not, notwithstanding, no devoted thing that a man shall devote to the Lord of all that he has, both of man and beast, and of the field of his possessions, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. So if I've devoted something to God and it's his, I can't go out and sell it. Okay, because technically, even though I own it and it's the estimation is going to God, the, the produce is going to God, I don't technically own that. God does. Uh, and, you know, we see those con games going on where people try to sell something they don't own. You know, the, the old adage of, you know, trying, people trying to sell the Brooklyn Bridge or, or the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, I've got, you know, got this great piece of property for you and it doesn't own... That you don't own, that, that you don't own, that you're trying to cheat somebody out of, and so here, here you are, God saying, you know, you know, if it's devoted to me, whether it's a person, an animal, or property, you can't go back out, you can't go out and sell it to somebody else, which makes total sense. Uh, we saw the other place where I bought somebody's property, and I can go, <laughs> I can go devote it to God, and which doesn't make a lot of sense, to, but that's you know, God makes that provision. And makes it so that I can do that, but you can't. You can't sell your property to somebody else. Have, you know, to give it to God, or give it to God and then sell it. And so it says, "No one devoted and shall be devoted of man shall be redeemed, but that it shall be put to death." So it's, if it's an animal that's been devoted to God, it, ha it year of jubilee or put to death. And so this is, again, very serious on all this. In verse 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add to it a fifth part thereof. Yeah. So it makes, really no, it makes no sense. He goes, okay, God says, you're going to give me all your tithe. It belongs to him. And we talk a lot about this at various times. Tithe belongs to God. 
It's not mine to choose to give to him or not give to him. It belongs to him. And it says, and if you want to redeem your tithe, in other words, not give it, you want to buy it back, you're going to pay a 20% increase on top of it. So it doesn't make much sense. You might as well just give him your tithe and give him an offering if you really want to. But he says, I am going to take my 10%. And if you want to, buy, if you want to not give it to him, it costs you 30% to not give it to him. So it makes no sense not to give him his tithe. Uh, that's how I read this. I mean, it would be the dumbest thing in the world not to try to give him his tithe because it's going to cost you 30% not to give him his tithe. Uh, so his, his, it's real strict on that. Uh, you might as well just give him his tithe and just be done with it because you get to save 20% by giving him his tithe. Uh, so this is... This is God's talking about tithe, 10%. 10% belongs to God. In Malachi it says that you have robbed us, you've robbed me, uh, robbed me, and then they goes and people go, well, how have we robbed me? And he says, by not giving of your tithes, you have robbed me, says God. And God is serious about this. And there will be people who say, well, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, and it doesn't. It talks about being hilarious givers. Which means to me, when you take Jesus, what he did to every, every law was he intensified the laws. He says, if, you have, if you're angry with a brother, you've, you've as, as much as committed murder. If you've looked at somebody with uh, lustful thoughts, you've committed adultery. So I would say that God has increased it. So if you want to say he hasn't mentioned or taught on the tithe, that's fine. So how much more than the tithe are you planning to give? And that's my question when people try to tell me that. Well, the New Testament doesn't talk about it. Fine, it intensifies the law. How much more are you giving? Because most times people give that and they're going trying to get out of giving God you know, his portion. And I'm never going to get legalistic. I'm never going to sit down and try to figure out who gives what or how much they give or whether they're given because I don't want to know. Because it is between them and God. And... It is very important that we, that we keep that between us and God. Because God knows. God knows whether we're tithing or not tithing. He knows whether we're being generous or not generous. He knows whether we're given with a very stingy heart just because he said he wants it, or are we giving it willingly. And it's very critical. If, if all you're doing is giving it because God said to give it, well, you might get some blessing out of it, but you're not going to get the same blessing as giving it just because you're, you had this heart to give God what is his. God, I just can't wait to give you your tithe, you know, your tithe, your offering. I don't, you know, Lynn and I don't make a whole lot, but we give more than the tithe. Because that's been my talk with God. God, I, I plan to give you more each year. So I increase, I increase the amount that we give them each year. And don't tell people what we're given or how much we're given. It's just between us it's you know and it is a vow this one is a vow that i've made to god that i'm going to give him more than what what he's asked for and someday maybe i'll be given 100 percent and seeing how he pays me back i don't know but i don't know how that's going to work out when i get that high but we, we did that before when we were before we come here the church was having a fundraiser and they they said Give God 90% and you take the 10. And we I said, yeah, we, in that. we participated in that. And that was back when I was making money, too. <laughs> and, but he was just saying for one week, whatever one week of your month, 
monthly pay is, you've got 90% of it. So and it was quite a challenge, but you know, there's a lot of great millionaires in this country that have given God 90% and lived on 10%. And they did it before they were a millionaire. You know, people go, well, yeah, they're millionaires. It's easy to give when you got, no, they, they did it much, they did it from the very beginning of their businesses and God blessed their businesses. And their names like Sears and Roebuck, J.C. Penney, uh, the founder of Caterpillar. You know, these guys have had just small companies that they developed because they gave God the God the glory and and the and and honored God. And that's not saying that everybody needs to go out and give 90% of their money to God. But you know, when it comes down to it, is how much do we trust God? Do we truly trust God? And it, I heard a pastor one time talking about it, and he goes. It's amazing how we as Christians will trust God for our eternal salvation, but when it comes to giving him his tithe and, our, and service time, we have a great hard time trusting him on our earthly things that are now. And it made, it made quite an interesting impression to me. How can I put a great trust in a God for my eternal future if I cannot trust him today? And this is something that's, that it stuck with me. It stuck with me. I heard this years ago on the radio, one of these pastors that was sharing this, but it stuck with me. You know, if we're being stingy and, and don't feel we can trust God now, how can we put our faith into him for eternity? You know, this is just a short time. You know, God owns all the cattle on all the hills and all the hills that they're on. You know, he owns all the silver and the gold. He owns everything and can just hand us whatever he wants to hand us. And yet we seem to not want to be able to trust him on this world, but we say, I'm going to trust him to take me to heaven and provide for me for eternity. And it's quite a disconnect. It really is a disconnect. And I just throw that out for people for us to think about. Verse 32, and concerning the tithe of the flock, of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passes under the rod, a tenth shall be holy unto God. And he shall not search hither, whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the changed thereof shall be holy and not redeemed. So in other words, as your animals are having animals, every tenth one belongs to God. Uh, so your, your, your sheep are giving, giving birth, and, and technically when he says this, the first one belongs to God, the eleventh one belongs to God, the twenty-first one, he wants the first not, not, he doesn't say, wait until you have your 10th one and give me the 10th one and give me the 20th one because then when you get, you only have 35, then God says, three of them actually belonged to me and you only gave me two if you waited till the end. And so God is saying, give the first. And a lot of Christians out there will give God, God, I'm going to pay all my bills and if I've got the tithe left over, I'll give it to you. Well, I can guarantee that never works. It it, it doesn't work. I've, I've done it a long time ago, and it does not work. I, I have gotten to the place where the tithe gets ridden first, mm -hmm. and whatever red ink after that tithe is God's to worry about and not mine to worry about because he says he wants the first. And we write that check, and it goes out. Because if I don't, it's not going to go out. I know that it's not going to go out because you'll never have the money caught up if he's not first. And God says, it's mine. It belongs to me. And it says, if you swap out a good, a bad lamb for a good, a good lamb for a bad lamb, 
Both of them belong to him. Okay, so he's saying, keep track of it. That first one belongs to me. That 11th one belongs to me. The 21st one belongs to me. And don't try to switch them all around on him. And so, but he's saying, be honest with him. And here he's switching beyond vows. Here he's going into the tithes and offerings. And it says, the tithe belongs to me. And it says, and these are the commands which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. So we have reached the end of Leviticus. We're a little early, but we're not going to go into numbers today. Uh, we will start numbers next, next week. But for, as we look at this, we've been in, on Mount Sinai for one year. And we've taken most of Exodus and Leviticus to be in, on Mount Sinai. And we're going to see in numbers that they're going to get ready to leave and the real adventures start all over again as they wander in the wilderness. And they get on the very edge of the promised land and, and turn away and wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And Numbers is a book that covers 40 years of time. And then we get to Deuteronomy, which is the re-giving of the law just before they go back go into the promised land where God goes over all the stuff that we've been covering. So we're going to, unless anybody has any questions, we're going to close here. And, all right. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your, for your word and for, your, for how much you love us and care for us. We thank you for showing us that you take life serious. You take vows serious. You take our word serious. And why? Because you, you, you are serious when you speak. And we just thank you for that and ask you to bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen.